The date is April 30th, 2020. Welcome to episode 13 of the East Coast InfoSec podcast. The we're not using Zoom edition. I'm your host, Daryl McLeod. And I'm your host, Grant Woodrow. Yeah, and we've actually, this is the most people we've ever had for a podcast on at one, one time, except we did a live one back and I sat down a few years ago. Um, which, which is the episode before this because we've been slacking off for the last year and a half. Yes, we apologize, folks. It's been a year and a half. I'm uh, getting it out there because I know we're going to get questions on it. So. Yep, yeah, yeah. so, uh, you know, we apologize and uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to be a little more frequent yeah. from now on since we all have a little more free time in our hands, supposedly. Mm. But anyway, this um, week... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Grant. Oh, just, you know... Disclaimer, as always, thoughts and opinions are our own. Do not represent our employers, and that goes for all our guests as well. Mm-hmm. And our guests oh. are Gurjeet Clare, Malcolm McDonald, Sonny Jamwell, and Chris Lincoln. Hello, gents. Hello there. Hello. So, yeah, so actually, I think uh, before we've had Gurjeet and uh, Sonny and Chris together in one room at the Infamous Isaka Conference Edition. Yeah, but uh, this is the first time Malcolm's been involved with everyone as well. So, uh, yeah, no, we, you know, and we've kind of, we've kind of gotten this episode together for, for one thing. I've had people asking me, "Oh, when do you have another episode?" Yeah, sometime, yeah, no, soon. And then <laughs> and now it's kind of like, you know, just get, kind of get, we really have no set topics. So we just kind of get along together and chat and see how everyone's doing. Try to get some laughs out there. <laughs> Because of everything that's going on, right? So, obviously, there's been, you know, no AdelSecCon, which I know for myself is a nice little getaway from uh, work-from-home life. And now everyone's working from home. So, you know, um, you know. so hopefully this will bring some laughter. That's that's kind of our goal for this, this episode. Mm-hmm. So how's everyone doing? In their uh, isolation. Who's on second? <laughs> um, for me, it's for me. For me, it's working from home. I, I started this back in the falls, and things are great. Uh, we adopted a little guy back in December, so. Life has changed a little bit, needless to say. Just a little. But things are <laughs> just a little. <laughs> things are great otherwise. Well, that's it too. Like you know, like Grant and I, we really both have worked remotely. I've worked remotely for quite a few years now, so it's not really much of a change for mm-hmm. me. Except I now have my wife and kids home too at the same time. So mm-hmm. that's the only thing that's yeah, that's yeah, definitely that's definitely difference. yeah. Especially for me too. Like, like now I've been working home for two years now, and to have the kids home all the time, and and my wife home all the time, it's like there are days where there's, you know, I put a headset on and just try to not hear them throwing Legos all over the floor. <laughs> but you know, and it's not like summer where you can kick them out and say, "Hey, go play with the kids outside, and I'll see you in four hours." Oh, that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know. Oh my God. <laughs> Can imagine saying that to my wife. Hey, go outside. I'll see you in a few hours. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She'll kick you outside and say, "I'll see you in divorce court." Yeah. Yeah. We're getting near there. It's on a day-to-day basis, it's like I'm ready to go back to the office. Yeah, one of my neighbors uh, just did, although that was brewing before lockdown. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, wow. Mm. Been through it once before, would not recommend. Mm. So far, so good. Well, would you, <laughs> would you recommend staying in an unhappy marriage? Um. No, certainly not. Mind you, in the grand scheme of things, my experience was relatively minor. The major claim to fame for me was our marriage lasted a little bit longer than uh, Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys. So. <laughs> Welcome to the East Coast InfoSec Podcast, Relationship Edition. <laughs> <laughs> you 
<laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If she's this, if she's sexting images to her uh, to her uh, high school sweetheart, chances are your marriage is probably not going to last. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do not recommend. Do not recommend. <laughs> yeah. Was she using uh, signal? No, no, she, no, she was not. <laughs> Uh, so, Sonny, how are things with you in the isolation? Yeah, you're downtown Halifax? No. What? Are you in downtown Halifax? Like, are you in the core? Or? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Is uh, it pretty ghost-like? Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty bad, actually. Um, uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting to move to Halifax and then stuck at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I was kind of enjoying going to the office and, you know, working with people and, you know, moving to Halifax, one of the best thing was that I could go out, meet people and, but yes, it has been very depressing and this week has been, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a different kind of week. I had a lot of challenges this week, but yeah, I'm, I'm holding up fine for now, but I'm thinking about moving to Sweden. <laughs> Set up a remote office there, man. You can work remote from there. That's true. For the record, folks, Sunday and I work together now again. So, oh yeah, that's right. Different teams, but we work together. Yeah, catch up on news uh, since the last podcast. So. Oh, yeah. Congratulations yeah. to both of you. Sir, actually, it's kind yeah. of funny how kind of ironically Sunday got on there, and then he moved, and it kind of left an opening for me to move in there. So, <laughs> so it, was, it worked out for everyone. Pretty much. It's funny how that things work. Yep. Yep. But yeah, how's um, how's everyone else basically um, in the security field? Is everyone else in their still same position since last podcast? Uh, nope. I cha- I've changed. Oh yeah, that's right. Are you fully from home now too, or yes. like? Okay. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things. Working for um, my employer, uh, shared services, is that they are trying to make as much people uh, teleworking as much as possible. So um, I've been full time uh, work from home since November first. Okay. Wow. Well, that's good. Yeah. What about you, Chris? You're um, the bell? Uh, I am, yes. And uh, my um, my team is, has been largely unaffected um, by everything, at least here in Atlantic. Um you know, not so much for the people who had to work in secure facilities in Ottawa. Um, it's a little rough for them. Uh, oh, yeah. they're, they're looking for, uh, for other things to do. But, um, but here in Atlantic, we've had to support four provinces, uh, for such a long time that, uh, that our work style has generally been a work from home type thing. And, um, Everybody already had their their home setups, their home labs, and uh, and so really, it's it's uh, not affected most people um, out here. Talk to me again in a couple of months, and and we'll see. Things have uh, have been a little bit slow, but um, um, for the first month, mm-hmm. but uh, now now we're starting to uh, to to see some activity again. So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. And the rest of Bell, uh, and the connectivity side, they're busier than ever. And they're saying, well, why aren't you guys busy? Well, you know, when it comes to enabling everybody to actually be able to work, security is an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, and it makes sense as well. You know, it's, it's not, the security project is not the first thing on your mind when you're just trying to get people to connect to the company. But, Mm -hmm. you know, 
do try to make sure that that you're doing the right thing. And most places seem to have done that well. I hope. Yeah, I I know when all this stuff first started happening, I remember reading a post that Shodan started reporting a whole bunch more RDP ports open on corporate networks. So, (laughs) you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the security side outcome of this is going to be and how many people are going to get hit. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, like, a lot of companies are getting hit. Yes. It's been pretty bad. Even I was reading something about the... uh, Ransomware attacks going up. People were saying that they were going to go down, mm-hmm. but have been going up. And the uh, I saw a funny tweet the other day about the Maze Group offering yes. discounts now. <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny. Yeah, yeah. That's saw uh, one that uh, what was it? It seemed they they sort of sowed the seeds before the lockdown, and then just waited for the right time, and then boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dropped it, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, if you uh, if you want to make things happen, you have absolutely no morals. Then, uh, <laughs> then now's the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. here's a tip, black hats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's funny too. Like I've noticed, things have actually started getting busier since I started. Like, I, I just got another project this week, so it's kind of. Surprisingly, we've been busy. So. Yeah, I'm sure incident incident response teams, I'm sure, are going to be getting a lot of calls. Mm-hmm. Yep. Incident response and, and uh, anybody who's who has been supporting the VPN infrastructure was really busy for a while. Mm. Uh, and uh, and I've I've had some of my team transition on to projects to to support that infrastructure um, ongoing at a, at a couple of clients so there's uh, there's that definitely but um, but now I'm finding that that now things have sort of calmed down a bit um, there are there are a lot of older IT projects that people had been sitting on for a long time that now are coming up again where um, we used to say, you know, six months ago, hey, they've been sitting on this for a year. Are we actually going to go forward with it? Well, now they are because um, they don't have to worry about all the other other things that were in operation uh, before that, that have had to shut down. And so now is the time to uh, to clear that backlog out. Yeah, not for sure. Mm-hmm. I know that's that's a couple of the guys that I know that like work for Bell and Eastlink and whatnot saying the same thing that all of a sudden they're like, hey, this backlog of stuff, hey, we're actually getting to that now. Mm-hmm. So my neighbor put in a call to have old lines removed from his house a year and a half ago, and they did it like last week. <laughs> wow. so, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, and we had to uh, um, to just in in case. Uh, the normal frontline staff were unable to work for whatever reason. Um, there was uh, everybody in the company had to fill out a a uh, skill and experience matrix to say yes, I can climb a ladder and and uh, mm. yes, I can I can splice cables or something like that. Just in case it gets to that point where they have to call on uh, people who wouldn't normally be doing it in an emergency. So it was kind of interesting, and I and you know I was telling them, well, we can do Cisco letters, but not checkpoint. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah, nothing against checkpoint, if you're listening. <laughs> Just. <laughs> it's not your focus. So you I'm forget which podcast you're on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. I love those guys, and they they paid for a dinner recently, so I'm happy about that. Um, So, Gerzy, do you normally work in the office, or have you worked from home, too? I'm working from home right now, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I've been... They like us in the office. There are a bunch of old, old school guys. I mean, I say old, old school guys, but they're guys I went to university with. So, So old guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 
See, I, I, I liked the work from home thing I was doing with Tenable. The problem with working from home with these guys is they don't know how to work from home. Part of the thing that I learned when I was working at Tenable was, uh, um, there's a lot of chatter on the, on the, on the, whatever the chat medium is, you know, I think we used hip chat or something or whatever it was. Um, on this one, there's nothing. There's almost nothing. There's, it's all just dedicated to very specific projects and stuff in it, in it. It's very impersonal, whereas when you're in the office, it's, you know, you get those little quick chats in the hallway and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, when it was a tenable, you kind of had the equivalent in chat channels, like random, something called general or random or whatever. And there's yeah. lots of activity. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was a nice distracting thing. And you sort of felt still somewhat connected mm-hmm. with this group of people. They don't do that. So and it's like it's it's weirdly disconcerting. Um but you mean uh ah, sorry. Um wife is texting me, did you give the cat her pill? I'm like, yes, she bit me three times. Um <laughs> uh yeah, anyways, uh yeah, yeah, it's the one thing I I mean Working from the office is great because I have a guy I work more closely with, and we're always bouncing ideas off each other and stuff like that. So it's sort of a, we're rubber decking, you know, all the time, and it and it, it it's I find it really really productive. You're um, rubber ducking. You don't tell me you don't know that term. No, you don't know the term. You know the rubber decking. Um, it's the same. It's the equivalent of. Uh, oh yes, sorry, rubber ducking. Yeah, 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 okay, yep. Yeah, you thought it was like a BDSM thing or something? No, no, no. I heard somebody say it. I always read it. <laughs> right. Never mind. Edit that out, Daryl, please. <laughs> sure. Oh, no problem. Anyway, so that's, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I miss the uh, work from home. It, it just it depends on the group of people you're with, so. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. 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 I don't do InfoSec anymore anyways these days. Yeah. Oh, but you do a lot of neat projects with the... uh, um, uh, Why am I forgetting the name of it? Ham Radio stuff, so... SDR. 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 Yeah, um, you know what? It's kind of nice to have it as a hobby again. So, I mean, like, you know, when they say make your, make your job kind of thing, and eventually what they don't tell you is eventually you, you get bored and tired of your hobby. Um, computers were my hobby and it became a job. And, you know, uh, I don't want to sit in front of the screen anymore. Whereas before, at one point, it was like, woohoo, you know, yeah. home from work or whatever, and I'd be like going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd look at topics that didn't relate to work and it was just interesting and fun. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm still doing, I'm doing the ham radio class. It's so incredibly boring, and it's so I'm just gonna like study for the exam, do all the test questions, and you can like do a sample exam and just basically memorize all the answers, and then you're good to go. But it's like 900 some questions. They do 100 questions out of 900, so I'm trying to do that. But it's just like, oh, the method's killing me. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun to do. I'm still doing the software-defined radio stuff from time to time. Yeah, for the most part, I'm not really big into the InfoSec stuff these days. I've uh, I've decided that nobody cares except for the people in InfoSec. <laughs> True that. Mm-hmm. Now, it's that- just that. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say there, for the uh, testing, you do that at home? You write the test at home? Oh, uh, I'm, I do back-end services testing, so we don't have devices or nothing like that. So no, there are some people. No, I mean, you said there was like 100, like you had to answer like, what, 100 questions of 900 potentially. Oh, you mean for the ham exam? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have no idea. Uh, they're still trying to figure that out. Um, it's up to you to figure out. So what you're proposing is you can call up the examiner, you sit on the phone, and he'll read off the questions to you because it's all multiple choice. And really? then you just, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. 
holy crap like like i'm writing my sism exam in july but they're actually doing it they now have remote proctoring so they'll actually watch me on the webcam while i'm doing the exam at home so yeah on the phone <laughs> that's what they think they're gonna do i i know one guy did it but it's like i i, I couldn't do that there's oh, no way god that's, that's insane I expect like, is that your final answer? I'm like, can I call a friend? <laughs> can I go back to that one later? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, wow. That's, that's nuts. I'm hoping that think... it might. I th- I am hoping that there'll be more work. Um, Test from home with a webcam. I know Offsec's doing that stuff. It's offensive security. So, this for me. I gotta drive either an hour and a half to Sydney if there is a testing center there, or I gotta go to Halifax. Yeah, there's a Pearson View testing center here at Seaside now. Oh right. Yeah, but so. they, I think CompTIA is starting to offer some remote proctoring, but it's only for a couple of exams. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, it's. Um, yeah, it's a whole new world. Everything's changing now. Look, look, even like virtual conferences. Has anyone actually watched any of these new virtual? Nope. Nope. Like, I've had. No, I, was, I haven't. I've been like, oh, I'm great. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to register for that. Go watch it. It's like, it's, I, I haven't gotten around to it. Um, the the only one that I did was uh, Information Security Forum. Yeah. Um, they had the. Um, they had their Canadian chapter meeting, which is normally in Toronto, and I never get to go to that. Yeah. Uh, and so they said, hey, we're doing this one remotely. Thank you. I finally get to go for once. <laughs> <laughs> because nobody's going to spring for me to travel out there for that. Yeah. So that was good. But, yeah, um, like two, two three-day conferences, especially on a Saturday, something like that, uh, you know, um, my kids need me more than, than I need to hang out at a conference. Exactly. Right Especially since yeah. the best part of the conference is like what we're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The hallway con. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I've actually, the, pretty much, I think the only virtual conference I've ever watched the last few years was Beside St. John's. But I pretty much had it on in the background while I was doing other work. So, <laughs> I did the um, the intro sec con, which is like sort of an introduction. Yeah, yeah I saw that. That one. was actually that was pretty good. Um, I had both uh, both tracks on my screen, and if I got bored of one, I switched to the other. And they had uh, they had all the chats and Discord and stuff, and it was it was good. It was very very it was nice. They had. Like people like Ian Coldwater there talking to people about stuff, and it was—I mean, even in the chat—and it, and it was great back and forth on everybody's. It was actually quite well done, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was a whole afternoon, though. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's when I noticed. I was—I wanted to see that one. So I'm going to try to get see some of the streams they recorded. But uh, switching back back and forth there, you remind me of like my my grandpa who used to watch five football games at a time. <laughs> oh my god! On one TV. <laughs> that's that's impressive. I I never learned that skill. Wow! Uh, Damn. Yeah, my biggest issue is yeah they're mostly on weekends and like you said, uh, kids are first. So yeah. anything on the weekends, it's you know. It's it's a write off for me. Yeah. Unfortunately, yep. so I haven't been paying too much of those uh, conferences, those uh, virtual conferences. Yeah. yeah. The, the one one thing that I did do sort of extracurricular uh, recently, uh, which was really cool, was um, the I participated as a judge in Trace Labs um, Global Missing okay. oh, yeah. Persons CTF. Yep. Um, and that was, uh, that was one Friday night for about six hours or so. And, uh, it was a little, little tiring. So I think it started at about seven o'clock or eight o'clock or so. Mm-hmm. Um, we finally finished up at about one or two in the morning. Um, 
but uh but yeah it was it was good um and uh and there were some of the the teams that I was judging found some some uh decent leads on some of the people that were missing so it's good to see some uh, something coming out of that and to sort of see other people's methods for uh for osint as well mm-hmm. yeah we talked- my first my first dabble with trace labs was at b-side st john there in september yeah uh 2019 and for me it was it was kind of creepy because, like, you know, obviously you're doing good, and the same thing, the cases that they brought forth, I think there was something, like, we started off with 15 or something like that, and by the end of the night, we had it down to four. So, the teams did really well. But going through, like, Facebook posts and social media and all that stuff to try to find, uh, digging into people's lives like that, and, like, yeah, it, uh, yeah. I was like, yeah, no, I'll stay in my, I'll stay in offsec. Yeah, there yeah. is a, there is a certain amount of, of, um, you know, needing some separation, uh, yeah. from what it is that that you're doing. Um, and yeah, if you're, if if that is difficult for you, then it is, then yeah, yeah hard to do. Yeah. But it, but it is amazing what you can find about people and what they do post on social media. Um, one of my bad habits is anytime someone gets shot and killed in the HRM, I go to Facebook and scope out their profile. And it's amazing what they put on Facebook. And it's like what year, years ago, um, I used to volunteer with the Halifax Regional Police and You'd sit in the, uh, in the fallen room when we were doing our thing and we'd be talking about this and talking about the stuff. This is now, mind you, 10 years ago when a lot of this stuff was still kind of in its infancy. The cops had no idea what you were talking about. And you kind of have to explain it to them, break them down. And some of these cops were relatively intelligent, well educated, you know, university degrees, but completely out of their focus and you know that's why you know i think a lot of the investigations they lag behind just because a lot of people who sign up to be police officers want to carry the gun and the badge and kick down doors they don't necessarily want to sit behind the computer screen and do all this non you know stereotypical cop stuff mm-hmm. yeah fair enough So you, you started. Uh, you're saying that uh, that when people died, you you started doing that searching. That was when you were doing the work with the police, right? Oh no, this was my own morbid curiosity. Um, <laughs> like there would be okay when when I when I was uh, I was with the Burnside Watch, and what we would do is my buddy and I um, we would do typically a Saturday night. This is when I really had no life, but it, we would do literally a shift mirroring what the cops did. The cops do either six to six or seven to seven. We did five to five and we would be in the fallen room. So when they were reading off like their ICROPS reports talking about certain criminal families, like for a while knew everything that was going on. I left that eight years ago. So no idea what goes on nowadays. But when you hear about people getting clipped or whatever, you go on there and you see people, you know, what they would post was crazy. And I did a couple times, like I helped out the school resource officers in presentations to parents. And it was criminal what parents didn't know what their kids were posting. And again, this was 10 years ago when Twitter was in its infancy and Facebook wasn't as big as it was. And it was scary. And a couple of years ago, I had my, my PI license for like two technically three years in the province, and I worked for a PI firm as their quote-unquote forensic investigator. And again, it's amazing what you can find with open source uh, intelligence. It's crazy. Yeah, and uh, I'm a bit of a privacy geek, and uh, it, it kind of surprises me how, 
much of the and, and I'm going to sound like get off my lawn here, but uh, <laughs> uh, how much of the younger generation just doesn't have the same concern about privacy. No, people. no you're absolutely right. right. Yeah. It, it's it's so bizarre. It really is. Because, like you said, like I'm, I'm, I'm so conscious of everything, like what I do online, and same thing. Like I'm not posting a ton of pictures of uh, my kids online or anything like that. And my parents are very good to, to like, I really want to post this one photo of me with the grandkids. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But you know, it, it's like my parents will tell me about other folk that they know, like the pictures of this and everything of the grandkids and it's just like holy smokes like well, why are you posting that 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 shouldn't be on 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 facebook like that's that's incriminating well, here's, here's a you know here's a que- here's a moral and ethical question uh, you know as we i think we all kind of take privacy seriously because of our you know either work or hobbies do we have our children's permission to be posting this on Facebook or Twitter or Twitter or Instagram or what have you. And down the road, is that going to come back on us? Because there are some people I follow on Twitter and it's amazing. Like they literally post every moment of their kid's life on Twitter. Facebook, you can do some of the privacy stuff, but I get like Heidi and I are very reluctant to put pictures of our son on Facebook, you know, yes, we put some on there because people do want to see a six month old baby, but I don't put any on Twitter because it's a much wider audience. But 10, 15 years down the road, when these toddlers whose parents are putting the pictures all over social media, Mm -hmm. they have, you know, they will have no expectation of privacy whatsoever because they've been conditioned that all this stuff gets uploaded onto social media. So will these kids, when they become of age, will that blow back onto their parents and they face repercussions? Uh, you know, that's a very good question. And, and um, I ha- have heard of some cases where there are uh, kids who um, reach a certain age and, and ask their parents to remove everything that they had posted before. And usually the parents will get it. But... Yeah, it's a very good question. Yeah. yeah, it'll be an interesting world to see where we're at in 10, 15 years as we are more connected. There's more IoT shit, um, you know, populating, you know, and uh, between Google Home and Alexa and all that. And now with the co- uh, sorry, the the disease we dare not speak its name. <laughs> <laughs> where the gov- uh, organizations want to be able to do, you know, the tracing via your cell phones, um, you know, the privacy is taking a bit of a beating right now. Yeah. yeah. True. And I, I do find that I don't think we're going to have to wait that long because I know even when I was finishing university, when social media was really really out there like facebook was in its prime before you know it's it's evil and uh you know it's geez that's 10 years ago right so Mm -hmm. i mean i'm thinking of all the pictures that i've seen of parents putting up on facebook and stuff like that of their like three-year-old or four-year-old or whatnot it's like they're they're now 16 17 18 right so I don't know. I would. I, I. I'm not like take pictures and all that stuff. I don't care. But I mean, do you really have to post everything online? I don't. You know. God, we have lots of pictures of our kids doing funny stuff. But I mean, that's that's for us. I don't know. <laughs> Family. Yeah. You know. Sometimes I'll post like funny stuff. Like for the longest time, my youngest would scream like a goat. That's just how he talked. Right? <laughs> it was just this sharp, 
I swear, if you if you Google like the screaming goat, that's what you would do if he was hungry or he wanted food. That's what you would do if you wanted like, anything. That's what he was doing, and he did that for like years. So it was just driving me a little bit crazy. You know, now now that you no. brought that up, we're all curious, and we're going to have to ask you to replicate that on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Where, where's our team? <laughs> yeah, where did he learn that? He must have learned that somehow. Yeah. Where's our, our team of, uh, of, uh, audio editors here so that they can bring this in live, like, on TV? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go to YouTube and just type Screaming Goat. There's a whole bunch of them out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. God. But that was like a, text, a Texas thing, like, you know, like, I, I think I put something like, you know, my turn, my kid has turned into a Screaming Goat or something like that. But, you know. Anyways, well, I don't know. We'll see. I I, I don't think we're going to see. I, I think you know, a couple of years from now, we're going to see some lawsuits, <laughs> especially this, in the states. This is taking a serious turn. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Life is very serious. See, thing. that's what Osin does. It yep, just it does. Yeah, it's yeah. a serious thing. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. We were we were going to bring in Trace Labs for. Oh, they're fantastic! Don't get me wrong. It's just I know that's not that's not my cup of tea for sure. It just I feel too. I get too personal involved, personally involved. It just you know. And uh, there's another guy that was there too from uh, Go Secure, from uh, you know Quebec. Olivier. Olivier. That was him. Uh, He felt the same as me, right? So just like. You just felt, I just felt different. Like it just, it felt weird going into these people's eyes because I'm not, I don't like that, anyways. It is, well, and that's, that's one of the things about being a judge is that you're not the one doing the searching. You're, you're working with the teams that are submitting, um, the things that they found. Even then, you're, you're still in, in there. And, it's it's hard not to feel for these people who are missing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Oh well. Um. And Gurji changed his background. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Animaniacs. That's what. He's oh yes. About. That's what he's been binge yeah. watching. Oh, okay. Countries <laughs> of the world. Countries of the 20, world, yeah. But it's 20 years out of date. <laughs> but That's being true. in front of a map like that, I, I sort of expect to... Uh, and now her, here's Gurjeet with the weather. <laughs> 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 I don't have video. I don't have video. It's gonna rain! <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll, take, uh, I'll take a picture for the uh, Twitter account. There, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there, I'll post on Twitter later once we... Uh, <laughs> what were we just talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Sonny, um, you were supposed to be in Seattle, right? Yes. What were you going to be talking about? I was going to be talking about using PowerShell for uh, some of the PCI work that we used to do, Daryl. Yeah. Remember those days? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I remember those days. Yeah, so I was going to be talking about uh, evidence collection and you know testing some of the things that we used to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. That lovely world. Oh yeah. I was looking for it to be actually in Seattle, but here we are. Yeah. What was the con again? Which one was it? What was it? It's the uh, PowerShell Summit. Oh, the PowerShell Summit. Yeah. yeah. I was looking forward to actually meet some of the uh, big names in PowerShell. Uh, Ayami. Don Jones. Uh, I was going to, probably was, hoping to meet Jeffrey Snower. But... Yeah, you keep retweeting his background pictures of the days. <laughs> yeah, and I'm begging him to come to Halifax. Yeah. So I'm still waiting on that. Mm-hmm. Next year, next April, yeah. Hopefully, 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 hopefully. That's the plan. 
That's good, though. Yeah. So I was going to ask you guys one question. Sure. Uh, this is something that has come up uh, on few occasions now. Uh, with everybody working from home, what are your thoughts on the whole concept of zero trust? And what do you guys make of that? I really want to hear your thoughts on that. Every one of you. What do you think about that? And what does it mean for you? It's hmm. a good one. Zero trust is exactly why I have my home firewalled. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but 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 think about from a perspective of the. Oh, that's sorry. That's what I mean. Like my work computers are on their own network, separate from my house. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But think about a world where most of the people would be working from home for a long time, and they might mean they might not be as tech savvy as you are. Oh, right? I know. So, what do you think the IT has to do to make sure their computing devices, you know, following the zero trust model? Yeah. Really want to hear your thoughts. Ah oh, man! Oh boy! <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you've had zero thoughts about that lately. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, so, you have an always-on VPN, uh, uh, you know, uh, no, all stop. traffic, all traffic forward through VPN. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sonny, can you shape the question a bit? Because that's like you know, uh, it's a really open-ended. Color blue. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty open-ended question, but the reason why I'm asking this is um, so. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I uh, I joined Go Secure back in October, and I was part of the consulting team. Now I moved to a different group within Go Secure, but when I was I was working on a PCI engagement, and I wasn't the uh, prime QSA, the auditor, as you can say, for that project. But it was a very interesting company based out of Montreal. They were claiming to be PCI compliant, and I guess they were, but they were um, using the zero trust model for their segmentation. And I could see their servers and workstation talking to each other, but they were like, oh, no, we have implemented zero trust. So everything is secure. Everything is good. But and to some extent it was. But again, what do you mean by zero trust? We have firewalls on each one of these servers. We are only allowing certain servers to talk to certain servers. Hence, we have a zero trust model here. So, uh, but back to the question, actually, you know, what is stopping the other people to just claim that they have a zero trust architecture in place? And I think you have to prove it. But the problem is that, like, almost. Every other definition, every other term we have, there is an infosec. Everyone has their own interpretation of it. Yeah. True. Yeah. Uh, and my understanding of a zero trust model is that it's that you don't have a border anymore. You know, you don't have the VPN because you don't need it because you're using stuff like Google services. So the Google services you use at work is the same Google services you use when you're at home. Right. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it's like a virtual office that's on all the time. So it doesn't matter your location is that there is no the AD or the equivalent of AD is the same at home as it is. You don't as it is in your office. That was my understanding of it. That explanation that you gave doesn't sound like zero trust. That sounds like, um, you know, sort of extreme practices. So I don't know. Like that's my definition. You guys should say what your definition is. But is there a definition from somebody like NIST or ISO for zero trust? The 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 definition comes originally from uh, from a series of articles uh, written by and I 
I'm forgetting the guy's name. He was at Forrester. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was around 2010 <clears throat> or so. He came up with the the concept of of zero trust and what zero trust means, uh, which um, has a lot to do with identity and has a lot to do with um, with confirming identity before ac- uh, allowing access to uh, to resources. Uh, there's a lot of segmentation in there. Um, the gentleman now works for uh, Palo Alto. And um, and gives a lot of talks on zero trust. Now, zero trust is, has uh, been it's a it's a great buzzword, and a lot of security vendors have picked up on this, saying we can implement zero trust if you if you put in our whizbang device. And you no, know, that's that's not what it is. It's it's very commonly misunderstood um so So i can't do a zero trust on my blockchain in the cloud is what you're saying oh god i hate you (laughs) (laughs) unless you use a next gen firewall yes yeah Yeah. what comes after next gen next gen extreme gen gen 2.0 yeah that's right uh well um millennials uh, I do. Uh, uh, generation ninety-eight, if you go by Windows. Yeah. <laughs> OS two. NT. NT stands for New I, Technology. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I. I, I mean, I'm just kind of quickly googling just to see if I can get a solid definition, and everyone has their own quirk of saying it uh, of like defining it right i don't know yeah. the, the whole fact that you know uh, like you said i know no not everyone especially um even has like the resources at home to be able to segment their own home network and be like well that's work and that's home they can't talk to each other you know um but i mean I'm I'm assuming I would hope that the higher ups who would be responsible in 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 the event of a pandemic or uh, any other kind of major event that disrupt normal workflow that we have to work from home have some sort of model in place that they have to follow. The idea of just saying, here, take your work laptops home and have, have at her just seems bizarre because we all know how fast work laptops get patched if they're on a patching cycle. So you're introducing severely outdated machines on your home network that if your home network does get compromised, that's an easy target. You know, I don't know. See, I would think that depending on, again, it's like so many IT security things, it depends. Um, I would, uh, my assumption would be a work device would be more secure than a home device simply because most organizations are doing patching uh, on a regular or semi-regular basis, whereas, you know, people at home are still running Windows 7 or Windows XP. And the problem is, too, this is, like you say, a buzzword, and it comes from Forrester Research. And again, this is just strictly my personal opinion. Forrester is just like Gardner and their magic quadrants. These are all things that senior management uh, loves to hear, but, you know, it's their buzzwords. It's paradigm shift all over again. And at the end of the day, you know, IT security if they had their way, it'd be, you know, everything would be closed off, but the business wants it wide open. And this is kind of, you have to walk a tightrope because you want to have people to be able to do their work and have the tools, but you want to be able to do it securely. And it's, um, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, my, my, one of my former employers, you know, they, they absolutely forbade people working from home before you know before this all began and their rationale was 
just because IT can work from home doesn't mean other people <laughs> can do it from home. It, it, just because they can do it, it's not fair to the bean counters and to HR and the other people. Yeah. And, you know, it was one of these things that was just management uh, pretty much came up into the business. And, you know, they started the company in the late 60s. And they were trained by people who had come up even, even you know, even further back, you know, than the, the Don Draper era. So it's, you know, trying to relate those buzzwords to very static senior, senior management doesn't sometimes translate well. And, you know, seeing that firsthand in companies run like that, it can be, uh, you know, it's can be very frustrating. Yeah. Does that answer anything, Sonny? Uh, like, <laughs> it's such an open-ended question. Yeah. Why is the sky blue? Yeah. See, my it's, it's, it's just I, I find I find the whole idea of a zero trust for PCI compliance just bizarre. That is. I like too, and that's what pissed me off at the first place. And I was like, you, you can't say that, but hang this. Yeah. I'm not going to the details, but I was in a happy camp. Because was wouldn't the PCI Council do they have rules on that at all? Like wouldn't they be able to be like, I'm sorry, you're not compliant? No, this is a very gray um, area right now. Uh, I, I mean, anyways, I, I don't want to get into the details for. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's just like as far as like from you know, I'm not a QSA, but isn't the PCI council kind of like that's the golden book of this we got to follow this line by line well, like I, I didn't think they left any room for interpretation yeah. I, the how many compensated have, control worksheets would you have to complete yeah <laughs> for the, there he goes yes exactly it's, it's a very gray area there's lots of gray areas as a former QSA myself as well and uh, yeah it's, it can be tricky and yes I feel that made those compensating it's, it's a joke. I mean, PCI is a joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Aren't you, aren't you, aren't you nope. technically still a QSA, Sonny? <laughs> I am a QSA, but yeah, I, I don't care, man. It's, it's a joke. <laughs> now, here's my question. Uh, as someone who has not worked on the compliance side of things, when someone says PCI, I think of architecture on the motherboard. Um, but, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So if a company, like if an organization accepts credit cards, do they have to follow PCI compliance? Is that like, or is that just someone like saying, voluntarily saying, I'd like to get ISO certified and you follow, you know, you follow what the ISO organization says to get your 9,000 certification. How does that work? It is not voluntary like that. Um, it is forced upon you by your credit card processor. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So, yeah, this is, and I just asked because a, a previous organization that I worked for, they, when I, uh, they would take credit card orders and it consisted of writing down the credit card number and then manually entering it into a credit card machine and then it being stored on paper. And I asked the question, is this PCI compliant? And they said, don't worry about it. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. And that, and it was ironic because uh, this was a uh, consult IT. The people doing it were part of an IT consulting company as part of the overall organization. And it was like, here, internal auditors, check this out. And they were like, yeah, we know about it. We're trying to deal with it. It never, it never quite, like I said, I, having worked in POS support for a long time and, and doing the debit and credit terminals, I never really understood if it was like a voluntary thing or if it was like a legal requirement because they accepted credit cards. Now, is it accepted credit cards and storing that information? Like, yeah, what they would if, do they're not, they, if they're not storing the credit card information, then do they, do you have to be PCI compliant? If you store 
transmit or process credit card, uh, oh, okay. payment card information, then you are in scope. So, um, what where it gets tricky here is your data center, and uh, you have no access to the systems that are uh, hosted by your uh, that that you provide the bare metal for. And are using your data center to run systems that take payment cards. Uh, there are certain certain physical security controls that that you are responsible for that they are not, and so they will ask you for uh, um, along the the physical security controls. Somebody has a truck parked outside their home. I, I can't. Like, yeah. oh, I'm driving a truck right now. <laughs> <laughs> so writing down the credit card number uh, with expiry date and the n- number on the back and then just storing it in a locked file cabinet? No. Oh, storing it? No. Um what call centers generally get away with is at the end of the day, uh, those notes are shredded. <laughs> I think somebody need a somebody need a PCI QSA to do an assessment here. Meaning mm-hmm. I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. My phone number is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I no longer I no longer work there. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think I've, I've assessed a few call centers in my day. So. And sadly, it was not. This is not a call center. Yeah. Oh man. Yes, yeah, some of the stuff we've seen. Oh. Gerald oh. and he have seen things. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen things, man. <laughs> if you work in security, you've seen things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah, that's <laughs> part and parcel, especially if you do penetration testing. Yes. I finally, I finally uh, had a, an interesting project that I was on. Um, and it's like, you know, you always hear all the things like, oh, you know, they're running server 2003 and windows 98 and da 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 and i'm like you know well i won't be seeing that now you know it's like 2020 <laughs> yeah <laughs> product that i was on and they had a lot of old systems and i was able to become a domain admin two different methods so i was like whew. oh that's scary yeah, yeah. so it was kind of like I feel like, you know, I, like, I'm not trying to shame them or anything like that. I mean, they're on our budget, and I understand that because of my previous employment, and the budget was tight, and, you know, you can't always go full on upgrading stuff, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm hoping that based on what I heard is that they were getting the penetration chest to make, to, to kind of, uh, drive the point home to the higher ups that you know, like we are, like yeah, okay, our exterior because like their external was fortified, like you really didn't see anything, which was great. Uh, but when I did the internal side, it was pretty, it was pretty nice and squishy, right? So, um, wow, it's a. Uh, so I finally have one of those stories, which is kind of nice to have under my belt. <laughs> There's a lot of times, especially like when you're doing PCI pen testings and stuff like that, like there's not too much that's going on. You'll, you'll find like some of the stuff that like, um, I had one client where they were running a piece of software that a month ago this exploit came out, right? So I just happened to be testing them at a time where there was an exploit, uh, a publicly known exploit and I was able to basically run any command I wanted on one of their, on there was like 15 of the systems that were configured this way. So it just, just happened to be like, so that was like an odd one out, but most part PCI stuff. Is, but you is, guys should do it. You guys should do another podcast on that grant and you should share that whole story. Mm-hmm. On what? Uh, on what you're telling us. 
Yeah. It seems like an interesting uh, contest that you did. Well, I'd have to. Yeah. I just I just don't want to get into legal trouble, right? You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not talking. As long as you don't. As long. You don't. You don't need to reveal. Really identifiable. Oh no, no, exactly right. So it's just you know I'd have to. um, You do want to be careful about these things. People can can take it the wrong way. Yeah. 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 But but it's but it's interesting. Like, um. My, I guess, <clears throat> since I transitioned from the consulting side of things, the most interesting case that I worked on, again, I'm not going to share the client name or anything, but it was actually dealing with a uh, hacking group mm-hmm. and actually um, negotiating how much ransom we should pay to get the keys back to the kingdom. That was freaking interesting. We were up all night, and we were talking with these guys. They were super professional hmm. in telling us like what the situation is and why they need so much money. And then we would, you know, go back and counter that. But that, that was that was really fascinating. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I, I may have heard that story. Heard that story myself. Another coworker. Good. Yeah. So I've heard I heard talk talk about that. No, that's interesting. Man. Yeah, I slept on the couch that night. Well, I did not sleep, but I slept for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of these groups have call center kind of setups, anyways, right? You can call and get technical support and how to install Tor and yes. go to the Onion address and what Bitcoins are. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello. Your call is very important to us. <laughs> as our menu, please listen. What as our menu options have changed? Yeah. <laughs> modern, modern problems require modern solutions. Press <laughs> one for English, two for French, three for Punjab. Punjabi. Yeah, yeah. And and I still expect that that someone's going to go. Can I get someone who speaks English? <laughs> Please do the needful. <laughs> oh man. Oh well. So I, know, I, I don't guess, know. Yeah, I know. Guess we can probably call Pen. this episode done. What do you think, Grant? Yeah, join us next time for Pentest stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tales from the Tales from the Crypt 2.0. Yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, at least, at least I have some now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, geez, Sonny, we're not the Dark Knight Diaries, man. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, uh... <laughs> Which is an excellent podcast. Yep. I wish we were the Dark Knight Diaries. Uh, I wish I could, could do... listen to stuff and work at the same time. Hey, I'm watching football. We could do like a East Coast open source intelligence podcast and. Talk about what we find on people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, who's our subject this week? <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you want to get people pissed off at us real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's it, my, my one little modern st- or recent story, and can't say too, too much just because it's still kind of ongoing. But when, uh, where I was at before, I didn't realize uh, this particular government department uh, had a uh, you know enforcement, and they came to me and said, "We've exhausted our all this information. Can you find something out about this uh, website?" And uh, it was kind of neat going through twenty four hours later. Here you go, and it was just all open source information, and. Don't know where it's what what it's going on, but they just they thank you and uh, moved on. And uh, you know it's like holy crap. And then even years ago, uh, when I worked for a tech support company whose sister company was an ISP, amazing what people would put on their personal home pages, and how had many wonderful chats with the RCMP about the content. Mm. Moral of the story, kids, if the RCMP come knocking on your door, 
make sure they have a warrant or a production order. <laughs> Jeez, we have you all tell more stories like that, too. Uh, it, the, <laughs> what's interesting about the, uh, the that whole thing with the production orders or warrants, the ISP that I was working at, the general manager actually said to me, when I asked for this information, because the RCMP said we need IP information on this IP uh, address, and it was like, okay, can we have a do, do we have a warrant or a production order? And they were like, no, just give the information to the RCMP. And it was um, like, no, we really can't do that. And the general manager actually said to me in the middle in the meeting. What are you? He said a pedophile or a friend of them. No, oh, jeez. And um, I was like, no, uh, you bleep. I said I'm actually worried about the company being sued because what if he's actually innocent, or he had a Wi-Fi set up with no password and someone was poaching in? Mm-hmm. I said you've just handed over the information, and I said you could get sued. And he was like, Oh, then, then went to the company's counsel and they were like, yeah, um, you need a warrant or a production order. Mm. Yeah. Uh, And as it was anyways, this person really was acute, really was guilty of what they were accused of. And they pled guilty in court like a year later, but it was like, ha, you know, I just, I said, Hey, I just want to make sure we don't get sued. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. We're full of Managers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Managers. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you know what? Cops don't like it if you ask them for warrants or production orders when they, they come in with a sense of urgency. They get real pissy real fast. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. All right, gents. Well, listen, guys. Thanks a lot for uh, joining us in this free-form yeah. edition. <laughs> we had no real topic today. We're just kind of, oh, wow. I'm talking to someone else besides my family. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it's been. <laughs> but now we should do this again. So, uh, yeah, so that's uh, I guess lucky episode number 13. So uh, thanks again for joining us, guys. And... Um, I guess that's it, and hopefully we will be back soon. Soon, and you know, we'll be take another year off, year and a half. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, once we get six months. Yeah, <laughs> six months. Yeah, no, maybe <laughs> sooner than that. But, um, yeah. Next Thursday. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later, guys. Later. Bye.